Welcome to the Generations Church Podcast. This is Brian Nugent, and I'm the pastor at Generations Church. Thanks for listening today. We hope this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. If you have your Bibles, uh, turn to the book of Nehemiah chapter 4. Uh, I, we're doing a series called uh, God's Fulfillment of a Promise. I know you're going, didn't you do Nehemiah 4 last week? I did not get finished. I punted halfway through the message, and uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish that uh, this morning. Uh, so if you are new to the series or new to Nehemiah, here is the backstory really quick. The story of Nehemiah is written based on a promise from God 150 years earlier that he would raise up a king named Cyrus and that he would free the Jewish exiles living in Babylon and restore them to their land, their temple, and their life. Okay, so if you read just Nehemiah, you missed the backstory that this was a promise, a prophecy 150 years ago. So, all of a sudden, uh, the, the Jewish people are in, uh, uh, in exile in, in Babylon. They've been there about you know, 80 or so years. King Cyrus that was mentioned uh, is raised up and he begins to release the Israelites back to Jerusalem, but he does it at three different times in three different leaders. So he sends group one, we talked about it the first week, Zerubbabel, to build the temple. Uh, he does another release, Ezra, to restore worship and religious life back to Israel. And then he sends Nehemiah to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. So that's what I'm saying. If you just pick up Nehemiah, you miss the whole backstory of the, 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 the overriding promise of God 100 years ago, you know, to what, uh, what is happening now. So last week or the last few weeks, we've looked at Nehemiah's call by God. He was released by the king of Babylon to start to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. He travels 800 miles. He comes back to Jerusalem, and we saw kind of he starts the process of rebuilding the walls. So I want to start with this passage that we read last week, and then we'll, we'll get through the chapter today. So, uh, Nehemiah 4, it said, When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews. And in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, What are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are. Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, What are they building? Even a fox climbing up on it would break down their walls of stone. And I want to stop here. And I'm just going to quickly reference some things that I talked about last week. And I've got some other things. But I, I said it last week and I just want to reframe it again this week. If you want to be in leadership, criticism is part of what you do. Okay, if it is your aspiration to be on the point, to be the executive, to be a department head, to be in the ministry, then you need to know that criticism is just part of the deal. It is not 
unusual for it to happen. It's just part of what, you know, unfortunate, it's the unfortunate part of leadership. But, and I mentioned it too, uh, leaders have to have a sense of determination that you make a firm decision and you're resolved to carry it out. So even when criticism and opposition comes, leaders have already made the decision. They've already grabbed the baton. They've grabbed the shovel, the hammer, whatever. Leaders have already made the decision. I will finish the task. But criticism is just, is just part of the deal. So who are Sanballat and Tobiah? Who are Sanballat and Tobiah? They were mentioned in Nehemiah 2. I didn't stop at that particular point. And they're going to be speaking again a little bit later as we read the book of of Nehemiah. So who were Sanballat and Tobiah? They were part of the tribes that were pushed out of the promised land by Joshua. They were from the tribe of the Horonites and the Amorites. So if you remember, you know, when Joshua came through with uh, through the promised land, he was kicking out these, these uh, uh, Canaanite tribes, these different tribes, because the Lord said, hey, this is, this is the land set apart from Israel. So all of these tribes had been pushed out. They've been living outside the the boundaries and the perimeter of Israel. Now, excuse me, now that the Jews are living in Babylon, all of these old tribes that were pushed out, now they come back to Israel. They are enjoying Israel. They are enjoying Jerusalem. You don't have these pesky Jewish people and their worship and their rituals and the the enemy. They are sun tanning on the beach, the, the sides of the Jordan River. They are swimming and fishing and they are enjoying life just like the good old days, and then all of a sudden, you know, these, these Israelites are released to, to come back. So I want to just say something about that first of all. Remember this. <clears throat> Whatever the enemy gives up, he will always try to take back. Whatever the enemy gives up, he will always try to take back. Sanballat, Tobiah, all of those Canaanites, they had been pushed out. But they were waiting for the opportunity to return. I want to remind you this morning, Ephesians 6 says, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against uh, principles and principalities, rulers of darkness of this world, and spiritual wickedness in high places. Please remember today, child of God, you are in a spiritual battle and spiritual warfare. From the moment that you said, Jesus, come live in my heart, and you kicked the enemy to the curb, got him off the throne of your heart, and you put, put Jesus center in your life, spiritual warfare has begun. And the enemy will try anything, <clears throat> excuse me, that he can to come back into your life because remember, whatever the enemy gives up to God and to you, he will always try to take back. Matthew 12 says that once that house is swept clean, that old enemy tries to come back, get on the inside because his goal is to make you much worse off now than you were at the very beginning. And he tries it several different ways. 
He will try it through temptation. He'll try to get you to fail and stumble. He will try to discourage you. We'll talk about that in just a moment. He will try through peer pressure. What are you doing? Are you crazy? Have you lost your mind? You, you, what, are, what are you doing living this life for God? Or he'll just try lies, so lies into your heart and soul. But I want you to know John says, the gospel of John says this, that everything that the enemy speaks is a lie. He says lies are his native language. Okay? Everything he speaks is a lie. Okay? No truth at all in him. So, the enemy's always trying to come back and repossess, you know, what, what, what God has taken over through temptation, discouragement, peer pressure, lies. And I want to remind you this morning that you're in a spiritual battle in war. You, you, you've given your heart to the Lord and you're serving God and things might be going well for you and sometimes you might forget the intensity of the battle that is raging against you because you see sometimes the blessing of the Lord upon your life and you go, my life is good. My life is good. On June the 6th, you know, uh, 1944, the Normandy invasion happened. The most intense conflict was that of Omaha Beach. All right? It was, the, it was the, one of the, the greatest areas of casualty. We have an image from there. One of the greatest areas of casualty that, that we had. It was the most intense conflict of all of Normandy was concentrated on Omaha Beach. The, the strategy, the objective was for those troops through Omaha Beach to at least get get five miles and under intense fire and, and shelling from the enemy and, and very little clear channels, you know, the, finally the, the, the beachhead was taken, but it was an intense conflict. 2,400 out of 12,000 men, U.S. soldiers that day, uh, out of 12,000 soldiers that day, 2,400 lived their lives. I want to remind you that this morning, this, we live in Omaha Beach, our spiritual life is Omaha Beach every day. You can't afford to forget when you get up in the morning that there is spiritual conflict and spiritual battle raging for your heart and your soul. Jesus said to Peter about Satan, he said, Satan desires to sift you as wheat, cut you off, just throw you away. I want to remind you that we live every day in Omaha Beach. But to some of us, our mentality, and we have another image, is that you live in Mexico Beach. <laughs> Sun, surf, fun, relaxation, waves. This is where you're living. You got your guard down. You, you, you attend church half the time. You're... Your devotional life is a disaster. Just, you're just kind of floating, going back and forth. I'm good. I've, I've, I've accepted Jesus as my Savior. And, and you, you are living in a different world. We live in conflict and combat every day. And I want to remind you, this is not our spiritual life. 
There's a day that the trumpet sounds and we, and we, we, we live with Jesus that hopefully that image will be there somewhere in our life, okay? But until then, there is intense spiritual warfare and intense spiritual conflict every day of your life. When you get up in the morning, there is an enemy that's trying to repossess what God has done in your life. Sinbalad and Tobiah, they kind of moved back in. All that land that had been given up, they, they, moved, they moved back in. And, and there's also something else that I want you to see as well that the enemy will do. <clears throat> if he can't take back the land, he'll just try to keep you from your purpose and your call. Okay? So, so uh, Nehemiah is back. And they realize, I mean, we're not going to be able to move him out, but what we can do is discourage him and keep him from doing what God's called him to do. All right? So sometimes, sometimes the enemy's just trying to keep you off of your purpose, off of your mission, keep you unfocused. Nehemiah's purpose was to build that wall, and those guys were there to keep him from building the wall. They knew they couldn't probably eject him from Israel, but what they were trying to do through discouragement and lies and opposition was to keep him from fulfilling the call and the purpose and the mission that God uh, has placed in his life. And I want to tell you something, that will happen to you as well. Life will happen, things will happen. We'll talk about criticism in just a moment, but that is one way of defeat of the enemy is not just to get you to turn your back on God because with some that probably would wouldn't happen, but to get you off mission and get you off purpose. You're not accomplishing what God has called you. I want to say just one other thing really quick about the Sanballats and the Tobias of our life, who always speak critically. They always speak negatively. Don't ever let your spiritual influence or your spiritual experiences be influenced by the negativity of people sitting up in the bleachers. Okay? Do not take life advice from those that have nothing going on in their life at all. Okay? They're, they're just sitting up there. God's not doing anything in their life. They don't have any purpose. They don't have any mission. But, but they think their spiritual gift is to give you advice about what God's called you to do. All right? I don't think the word shut up is really appropriate except in that situation. And I'll just say, you can quote me. Our pastor said for you just to shut up. <laughs> Leave me alone, okay? So that's their, there are people in your life, they just speak negatively all the time. It's all critically. They never build, they never encourage, they never trying to get you to the next level. They're always just trying to keep you, you know, from, from accomplishing what you're trying to do at the moment. So what are the results of opposition, criticism, betrayal, and, result, and, and gossip. Because, and I'm going to mention, I mentioned these last week. I'm going to do it very quickly this week. So what happens when people speak those words in, in our life? Because the, the enemy tries to attack our mind and get us to stop, you know, to, from filling our potential. So what happens when they speak those, those kind of things? Discouragement and hurt come in. We get disheartened. We get intimidated. Uh, discouragement is the absence of hope, so we're trying to do something well. Those negative words speak, and it affects our heart. You hear words like, you're not good enough. Maybe in your mind, or they speak that. Others are more qualified. What are you doing? I mentioned this, and I want to just say it quickly. Your purpose, mission, and you experience purpose, mission, and vision paralysis. So sometimes people speak negative words, and the first thing we do is stop. 
We stop what we're doing. We allow the criticism to stop us. Now, instead of moving forward, we become indecisive in our decision making. We become, we delay, we delay certain things that, and, and sometimes that can cause you to miss what God's doing and miss God's timing for the, the purpose and mission for which uh, he has, for, for which he has called you. Sometimes we feel like, you know, that we've got to, you know, uh, uh, have everybody agree with us before we move along. I want to tell you, you cannot live your life by the consensus of people around you. You can only live your life by the Word of God that He speaks in your heart, and you start living that out. So people may say things, and sometimes we just, we just stop. But we can't let the critics and those in the bleachers to impact us with what God has called us. So there's, there's creeping uh, purpose, mission, and vision paralysis. Fear of failure now sets in. We have this new opportunity, and now faith, faith has been replaced with, you know, uh, second-guessing and perspiration. Self-pity also can set in. What's the result? Where, and I want to tell you, we, we feel sorry for ourselves sometimes. Oh, I was just trying to do God's work. Oh, I was just serving Jesus and look at all this opportunity. And okay, take a half hour. Feel sorry for yourself, okay? Go get a coffee. But then at that, it's time to get back in the game because self-pity, self-pity never changes your circumstances. Self-pity never does. So take an hour, feel bad about yourself, moan, whine, complain. Get your best friend that'll go, man, you're so abused. I don't, you're like a martyr. You should be up there with Paul and the others, all right? All right, take your half hour and then go, all right, you know what? That half hour, it's time to get back to work because that self-pity doesn't change my circumstances. It only changes the resolve of my mind, okay? So, so I mentioned those things last week. What are the results of opposition gossip? And those things can kind of set in. All right, so verse 4, Nehemiah prays. All of this criticism is going on internally, and it's fixing to spill out uh, publicly. Look what he says. <clears throat> Hear us, O God, for we are despised. Turn their insults <clears throat> back on their own heads. Give them, give them over as plunder <clears throat> Excuse me, in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. This is Nehemiah's prayer. Okay, So let's learn something here. If your prayers involve the physical harm of someone or God's judgment on someone, let me just say it, don't pray it. Just keep it to yourself, okay? All right? Now listen to me. You can be living out what God has directed you to do and develop a wrong spirit about those that are opposing you. All right? So you can be right in principle. You can be doing the right things. But over the course of time, you can develop a wrong attitude, a bad attitude about those that are, that are, you know, have caused you problems in your life. Now, you think that you're justified because you're on the right path. Well, listen. So you're praying that saint, you're praying Nehemiah's prayer out of verse 4. You're praying, you're praying harm, God, don't forgive them. Why would you ever pray for God not to forgive someone? All right? So you, sometimes we think we're justified because we're doing the right thing, and we become blind to the wrong spirit that we're carrying on the inside of our heart. 
Okay? And also, I want to say, too, like when you get hurt, sometimes you become obsessed with revenge or defending yourself. Okay? You waste time and energy just trying to justify yourself to other people or get revenge on your enemies. Okay? Samson. Samson is the perfect person that had just a little thing, a little riddle in his life, but it became a cycle of escalating hate and violence to the point where Samson was killing people at the very end of his life, and it all started with something simple because he developed a bad attitude. Now, does this ever happen? Does this ever happen that it just cycles in your heart and you get angrier and angrier and you, man, you, 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 there, this issue is on your mind and you keep rehearsing it over and over and over. And I want to tell you something, if you're not careful, what will happen is you will waste so much time. Your call is to move the ball about whatever God's called you. But we waste so much mental and emotional energy on revenge or trying to clear our name. So here is Nehemiah doing exactly what God's called him to do. There is criticism that has come his way, and it's going to get worse. But instead of just brushing it off, moving it on, now he goes to his devotional time where he says, Lord, would you hurt these people and do not forgive their sins? All right? We don't want to be there. We don't want to be there. Romans 12 says this. Do not Take revenge, my friends. Okay. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it's written, it's mine to avenge, I'll repay. So, you just pay attention to what's in front of you. God's purpose, God's mission, and God's call. God, in his own time, in this life or the next, will take care of your critics. Those that oppose you, those that mean ill will for you. You and I have a purpose and a mission to fulfill, and we do not have time to waste on the critics and the bleachers. Okay? All right? Keep, keep your heart, your, your knee bow, your, your eyes fixed on the mission that God has called you. Let the other stuff just kind of go. All right? Verse 10. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, so this is his own team, the strength of the laborers is giving out. There is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall, okay? Now, this is kind of understandable because they didn't have a lot of people. And those walls of Jerusalem, and I've got the expert over here. I've got Alfred. I'm nervous now. I'm talking about Jerusalem excavations and walls. You know, sometimes I can say stuff. You won't know the difference. But Alfred, he's over here probably going, what is he talking about? <clears throat> you know, but... the. The, the rebuilding of the walls at, in the time of, of Nehemiah, okay? So it took a long time. You know, it was hard labor because you had to remove the old wall that was broken down. You got to, if you saw in chapter 3, I didn't mention it, but they were men, they're digging footers, they're building, you know, they're building wood framing that, that goes with these walls. And, you know, you got you to gotta fit the walls right. So it's understandable, it's understandable you know, that these were, you know, hard days of physical labor and they were stressful days as well. But I want to ask a question. How does stress, physical fatigue, and weariness impact you in fulfilling God's purpose? 
okay? How does stress, physical fatigue, and weariness impact you on fulfilling God's purpose? So Nehemiah's doing the right thing. He's doing the right thing. But he's getting a little tired. He's getting a little, getting a little worn out. He's praying crazy prayers, okay? So how, how can stress, physical fatigue, and weariness impact you fulfilling God's purpose? You'll start to notice <clears throat> some of these things. Irritable and impatient over little things. You're moody. You're snapping at people, but it's really not them. This is about, this is about you. You have a hard time going to sleep or staying asleep or you feel constantly tired. You're dealing with anxiety or you're over-emotional tears or you're just, you're just kind of snapping. You're forgetting things because you're not getting the proper rest so your, your mind is forgetting important things. You find yourself leaning on medication and alcohol just to kind of cope and get through, get through the season. You are binge eating or you have no appetite at all. You would prefer to be alone. You don't want to be around people. You don't want to make decisions, which is very difficult when you're on the point. All right, General health decline. Blood pressure, you're, not, you're, just not, you're just not doing well. Indecisive decision-making, okay? You're tired, you're exhausted. And, and when you're on the point, there's got to be clarity sometimes. You've got you to think, you've got to make decisions, and now it's just kind of cloudy. You're kind of, you're kind of uncertain. Or easy decision-making, making missions compromises. You're tired. So instead of making the decisions that are the right decision, you make the one that's the easiest and, and involves, you know, kind of the less physical exertion. You compromise. You make shortcuts on the mission. Also, you'll notice as well with stress, physical fatigue, and weariness, you will find there is no time to pray, worship, or go to church, or it's just not in your heart. You will be on a spiritual mission that God has called you. And you can be so tired that you do not even feel or sense a song of worship. That just the thought, you go, if I close my eyes to pray, I will go to sleep. I will absolutely do that, okay? Or church, I'm so tired. I'm just so tired. I need some time to myself to, to recover. And this becomes a, a pattern or, or routine. What are some signs of stress and physical fatigue and, and weariness. Also, also, when you, when you get this mindset, it over-exaggerates the problem. I want to go back to that verse, what they, what they said, the strength of the laborers is given out. There is so much rubble, we cannot, uh, we cannot rebuild the wall. So they knew, they knew what was going on. They knew this is going to be physically intensive, and they knew, like, if you are a Chip and Joanna Gaines person, you cannot have Reno Day until you have Demo Day. There you go. You're a little slow. Over here, they got it. So you, you got to have Demo. You got to move the stuff out of the way before you can rebuild. And they're just going, at this point, they're tired. The same scene that brought excitement and faith now is discouraging to them. What's changed? Nothing's changed, only their fatigue and their exhaustion. Now, the task that they see, they go, this is way beyond because, because they're not, you know, they're, they're, they're tired and they're weary. Is it a reflection of their heart or a change of mission? No, they're just tired and weary. Passion, listen to me, passion for the cause and adrenaline 
can be your best friend and your worst enemy. Okay, passion for the cause and adrenaline can be your best friend and it can be your worst enemy. Okay, everybody's had a little, you know, shot of adrenaline. You know, you got something you got to do. So here's what we do. We're going to power through. We'll, we're going to get the job done. We can sleep later. Have you ever said that? I'll rest after it's done. So, so adrenaline and passion for the cause, they, they can help you, but it also can be your worst enemy as well. Because when you are fatigued and tired, adrenaline's going, you're good. But on the inside, mentally and physically and emotionally, you're collapsing. So sometimes passion and adrenaline are not your best friend, okay? Now, you know how some of you are. I'm, I got to get the job done. So I, I got to start the day. I got to have a triple shot of espresso mixed with a Red Bull. And I need a cream-filled chocolate donut with sprinkles just to get me going for the day. And those sprinkles will do it, Okay. But just like adrenaline and passion are just like caffeine, eventually it wears off and you bottom out, okay? So I'm just saying to you, in the midst, if you're weary and you're fatigued, you know, especially over a mission, this is not going to sound very spiritual, but rest, peace, and patience are very important. Rest, peace, and patience are very important. Because sometimes we're going, man, this is critical. I got to get this done. This is important. And I understand that. I understand that. But there's a point where you begin to compromise your spiritual life, your emotional health, your physical health. So, and God never asked us to make, that, to make that sacrifice. So there are times when we go, I'm way beyond adrenaline, caffeine, passion. The most spiritual thing that I can do is take a nap. If you want amen and nap, I will never get an amen out of you. All right? Your call and your purpose, it motivates you. But there's a point where you're going, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing well, and I just got to rest. I got to slow down. I got to be patient. Now, he's got the security of the walls of Jerusalem and the people that are living on the inside on his shoulders. I get that. They, they are unsafe as long as those walls are down. I understand that. I understand that. But. There's a point, even when there are mission-critical things that God gives, that you realize rest, Sabbath, eating right, sleeping well, watching your health, they are important as well. Because listen to me, if you burn out, even for a glorious purpose, but the task remains unfinished, you failed. Okay? So go as long as you can, but then there may be a season where you go, you know what, i got to take a few days off i got to take a few days off. It's one of my favorite images in the Bible out of the book of Mark. Jesus was teaching and healing and, and uh, ministering to people. But there was a point where he said, I'm done. He gets in a boat, goes across so that he can pray. On the bank are crippled, hurting, broken, and hungry people. I'm sure they were going, what is he doing, that heartless, callous person? But I want to say... Even in the midst of great spiritual need, there's a point that you've just got to stop, okay? Because spiritual needs and and passion, calling, deadlines, they'll always be there. But I want to say again, if you burn yourself out, if you have a nervous breakdown, if you collapse physically and you're unable to finish the task, number one, that's not that was not God's plan for you at all. But but you know, what good have you done if you if you flame out like that? So take care of yourself. Rest, patience. 
and pace are very important. I do a little bit, I rest a little bit. No, it's going to be a little slower, but you're going to be healthy at the end. You're going to be able to be there at the dedication, not in some, you know, asylum somewhere, you know, with, with having getting medications, okay? All right, last, last part. Verse 11. All of the enemies said, all of his enemies, Sanballat, Tobiah, and their group, before they know it or see us, we'll be right there among them, and we will kill them and put an end to the work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times, wherever you turn, they're going to attack us. So here's more negativity here. Therefore, Nehemiah says, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked over things, I stood up and I said to the nobles, uh, the officials, and to the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember, the Lord... Let me, I didn't say this sentence right. Don't be afraid of them, number one. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome. Don't be afraid. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. Fight for your families, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to our own work. And from that day on, half the men did the work while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officers posted themselves behind the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon with the other. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. So just a couple of things to see out of that. He said, don't be afraid. We talked about that a little. But he said, remember the Lord. Remember the Lord. I want to say to you, in the midst of your greatest challenge and your greatest adversity, remember the word that God spoke to you initially that started you on the journey that you are now. Sometimes you hear all these things, you see all this opposition, and you forget that moment when that word hit your heart and you begin to move. I don't know if Nehemiah remembered it in the moment when he's got half people with, with swords and shields and half with hammers. Half of his people are dedicated to building. Half of them are, are an army. I don't know if Nehemiah remembered it at the moment, but 150 years before, God spoke a word that said there's going to be a day you know, that I'm going to return back to Jerusalem, the, the exiles from Babylon. Nehemiah didn't know, man, but that promise was him. There was a promise of God that was under, 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 uh, underwriting Nehemiah in that moment. There was a promise of God that was working in his heart. Maybe he remembered it. Maybe he would forgotten. And I want to say to you this morning, in your lowest moment of adversity, when you want to quit, when you want to give up, you remember the word of the Lord. Remember how God called you. Remember what God's spoken to you. And remember the promises of God that are working on your behalf, even in the situation that you are in. So, let's hear the word of the Lord. Isaiah 43. I'm going to give you some word this morning, all right? When you pass through the waters, those of you that are weary, got a battle, 
When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, and the flames will not set you ablaze. Deuteronomy 31, the Lord himself goes before you, and he will be with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Joshua 1, have I not commanded you? Be strong. Be courageous. Don't be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you may go. Psalms 27, he said, I remember, let's remember the Lord and his goodness. Psalms 27, I believe that I shall look on the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Psalms 31, how abundant is your goodness. You have stored it up for those that fear him. Psalms 34, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Psalms 107, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his steadfast love endures forever. Psalms 103, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and forget not all of his benefits who forgives your iniquity. He heals all of your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns your life with steadfast love and mercy. And he satisfies you with good so that your youth is rewarded like the eagle. Can we take a moment this morning and give praise to God? Can we take a moment this morning? I want you to thank him for his goodness today. Wherever you're at in your life, Lord, we remember you this morning. We remember you this morning, Lord. We remember, we remember what you've done in our life. Where we're at now is not an accident. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Brent, worship team, you can come. In verse 19, then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is extensive and spread out, and we are widely separated from each other. Whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us because God's going to fight for us. They are in battle mode. They got a hammer in one hand, you know, and they got a weapon in the other. Half of them are ready to fight. Half of them are building, which is a great posture for you and I in the culture that we live in today. He says, get ready. Keep doing your work. But there's something that I want you to pay attention to. And that's the sound of the trumpet, okay? Because in that time, especially, I mean, communication was limited. It's not like the military of today. Communication was limited. You saw that verse. They were all spread out. So there could creep in to the people a little uncertainty about what to do and, and when to do it. So he's got them on point. You just, you just keep doing your thing. But there may come a moment that we sense the attack, and when we do, I got the man with the trumpet next to me, okay? And we're going to call, we're going to call alarm. We're going to call on the Lord through that trumpet. And he said, when I blow that trumpet, our God is going to fight for us, okay? So you keep working. But there may be a moment that you hear a trumpet, which is a direction from the commander, that it is time not only to fight, but that you are going to see God move on your behalf. He didn't say do anything different. He said when you hear the trumpet, know that this next battle is the Lord's. 
And the God will take care of that. And today, so we're in that same scenario. We are, we are fighting. Some of you are weary. You are worn out. You are fatigued. You don't see a movement from a call that God has placed on your life. And I want to say to you this morning, great planning, extra effort, great team communication, coordinated vision, determination are all well and good. But there are some times in the conflict that you got to take your hands off the battle and know that God is going to fight for you. God is going to fight for you. I want to say to you this morning, all that stuff is good, but I want you to know this morning that worship is your most effective spiritual weapon. We, there, are, there are times that we've just got to take our hands off of it and go, Lord, I cannot do anymore. I don't have another plan. I'm tired. I'm fatigued. I don't know what's left. So, Lord, all I'm going to do is lift my hands. I'm going to let a song of worship start rolling off my lips. I'm going to drop that hammer. I'm going to drop that sword. And I'm going to lift my hand for you. And, Lord, what you are going to hear from me is the sound of worship. And that sound of worship signifies God is going to fight for you. There are times that you do all that you can. And then there's a time that you go, you know what? This, I'm gonna do a, it's going to be a sound of worship. Worship is my greatest spiritual weapon. Okay? Doesn't make sense sometimes. It's not extra effort, better planning. Get more people on your team. Have, have, a, have a talk. Have a group meeting where they can all support you. Some of those things are good, but there's just a time that it's worship. It's all about worship, giving things to the Lord. And I want to remind you this morning that the Lord, there's some battles that the Lord will fight for you, okay? Some of you need to take your hands off of certain things, stop stressing over certain things. This battle is the Lord's. You've done all that you can do. This battle is the Lord's. I want you to stand. I want you to stand. Because we're going to, use our greatest weapon right now. We're going to use our greatest weapon. And that's worship. <clears throat> They're going to start singing in a moment. And I want you, if you are fatigued, tired, weary, worn out, exhausted physically, you need a touch, you need a healing, you have not seen the walls move, you've been obedient, you know, and you have... You're going, Lord, what is going on? What is happening in my life? Maybe you feel like you're under attack. You've given things over to the Lord, but the enemy is trying to repossess what God has already given you. I want you to know today is your day. I think I'm going to believe that we're going to see the hand of the Lord that's going to move in your behalf. All right? So I want they're going to start singing that. And then if that's you this morning, I want you to come up. We're going to pray for you this morning. We're going to encourage you. We're going to pray, but we're going to lift a shout of worship in this place. Okay? Lead us in that song. Raise a hallelujah this morning. Thank you, Lord. 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 That's you. Come stand across the front. That's you. Come stand across the front. That's you. Come stand across the front. Just come stand across the front. Just come stand across the front. Come stand across the front. I'm gonna see. Come stand across the front. In the middle of the storm. Louder and louder. 
pray over you and if you're one of our altar team if you'll just start to move out just begin to minister to those that are standing up here so I just want to pray over you then we're going to sing that again we're going to declare that again so Lord I pray this morning 
for those that are worn out, they're given out, they're stressed, and they're overwhelmed. Oh, God. We thank you that you replenish the soul. You restore our soul. I pray for strength and endurance and patience, Lord. I pray for those that are under stress and anxiety. And Lord, I pray as that we sit in the presence of the King of glory. We are reminded that you are in control, that we can only move just very small things, but some of these come from the hand of the Lord. I pray for those that are dry, weary, worn out in their spiritual life. Lord, I pray they would have an encounter this morning with God's life-giving presence. I pray the presence of the living God. I pray God would just sweep in their heart. I pray for old dry wine skins being filled with new wine this morning. I pray. I pray. I pray today. I pray you're going to restore our soul. Restore our mind. You're going to return hope to those that are that are in darkness and feel like there's 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 nothing moving, nothing happening. I pray for the hope of the Lord to return. Lord, I pray. I pray for those physically. They're worn out. Their health is not good. Or people here this morning that need a healing. If you need a healing in your body, would you just raise your hand and say, I need a touch of the Lord. I need a touch of the Lord, a healing this morning. Lord, across this building, we pray. We pray for physical touch, physical healing today. God, I pray, Lord, you, by your stripes, we are healed. Lord, I pray for those blood pressures high, anxiety is high. Lord, they're not doing well physically. I pray. I pray they'll feel the power and the strength of the Lord touch their body in the midst of the season that they are walking, Lord. There'll be an, un, an unusual strength of the Lord that will happen in their life. God, I pray, I pray, I pray for that, Lord. I pray for that, Lord. I pray for that, Lord. Lord, I pray, and Lord, this morning, you are reminding people that they are called. They have not gone on their own, Lord, but that you have set them on a divine course today you are called and lord you've created them with a plan and a destiny lord you have anointed them you have placed gifts and desires in their heart and their life for his glory and i pray i pray god that you will you'll give determination and strength to finish the task today thank you lord thank you lord i pray for those that feel like they're under siege spiritually spiritual warfare they feel like they're about to lose lord they they feel weak and the enemy is warring and he's not giving up lord i pray that you will surround them you are the glory and the lifter of our heads lord those that are weak and weary lord in their spirit but lord if there's an ounce of faith god you're going to answer that i pray that you're going to remind them lord that you stand with them your word this morning said you will never leave or never forsake i pray for those that are weary the enemy's trying to to move back in god i pray you're going to raise up a standard against them we pray the blood of jesus over your life lord i pray the power of the holy spirit surging back in your heart god i pray over that today i pray over that today i pray over that today Brent, let's make that declaration again. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Louder and louder, you're going to hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. 
Remember the Lord and remember the goodness of the Lord. All right? We're just going to sing that song we did earlier, the goodness of God. We're just going to reflect back. He said, remember the goodness of the Lord. You're in a tough time sometimes, and you forget sometimes God's good. He's for you. He's not against you. You're the head. You're not the tail. We're going to sing about the, just the goodness of the Lord for a moment. I want to remind you of that. We're going to follow that prescription from Nehemiah. We're going to let you go this morning. Let's sing it. And all my life you have been faithful. Sing it. This all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I can make, I will sing 
of the goodness of God. Oh, come on, lift it up in this place. All my life. Yes, all my life you have been faithful. All my life, Jesus. All my life you have been so, so I will sing of the goodness of God. I'm gonna sing, I will sing of the goodness of God. Your goodness is running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after. This morning, sing it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just remember that this week. All right? All right? He's called you. He sent you. He doesn't leave midstream. It's not like some people that turn on their back on you in difficult time. He's launched you on this. He's got your hand. He's going to see you through it. Okay? Thank you for listening to the Generations Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message today and pray God's greatest blessings on you. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter.